This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, um, in these weeks as we're moving toward Easter... We have been walking through the Gospels and using as our background some text that take place in a meal setting, a setting that involves food and drink. And in this particular text, as Jesus goes home with Zacchaeus, the context is pretty clear uh, that they're going to end up around a table. And so our series is, is Taste and See. So we're seeking to encounter Christ, and really we're talking today about an encounter that Zacchaeus has with Jesus. Have you ever had something that, that happens in your life that you just feel like is divinely orchestrated, that, that God has just obviously arranged the circumstances, arranged this meeting? It's kind of what's happening in this text. So Luke chapter 19, and let's look at verses 1 through 10. The Bible says that he entered Jericho and was passing through And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your heart of grace and mercy that reached out to us when we were lost. And in in some cases, even when we weren't searching for you, if we, or if we were searching, we really didn't know exactly what we were searching for, but you knew. You knew our need. And we, we thank you for your love, your concern for us, that, that you reached out to us, that you called us by name, called us to yourself. We pray that you would give us your heart, of mercy and compassion for others. Speak to us through your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I was in lower Manhattan, and uh, a caravan of cars just came screaming past, and sirens were blaring. This is just like a few blocks from ground zero. So, you know, I wondered what on earth is going on. So I asked the police officer, and he said, oh, that's... Bernie Madoff. Well, Bernie Madoff is probably the most famous white-collar criminal of our 
day. He devised sort of a Ponzi scheme on Wall Street and uh, defrauded people of millions and millions and millions of dollars and really just became sort of an infamous white-collar criminal. Well, Luke 19 begins with Jesus reaching out to a guy who was sort of the Bernie Madoff of the city of Jericho. Zacchaeus is sort of a, of a white-collar criminal in his own right. And verses 1 and 2 tell us a little bit about him. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, we've talked before in the series about tax collectors, right? These were Jews that were working for the Roman government, the occupying force in Israel. And so these are kind of people that are they're working against their own people. They're collecting taxes for the Romans from their fellow Jews, which automatically made them incredibly unpopular. And the way that the tax collectors really made their money was that they would sort of bilk people for even more money than what the Romans required. So they were looked upon not only as traitors, but also as sort of extortionist uh, cheats. In the case of Zacchaeus, um, he is not simply a, a tax collector, but the text says that he was a chief tax collector, um, which means that he sort of oversaw all the other tax collectors in the area. So what this tells us is basically that Jesus could not have picked a more unpopular person to reach out to, um, but Jesus not only reaches out to him, he singles him out, right? So what's going on here? What does this text tell us about salvation? What does it tell us about God's heart for the lost? What does it tell us about knowing Christ and his fullness? Well, let's, let's take a look at it. Um, what, what principles do we see here? Uh, first of all, <laughs> the first principle is climb up a tree, verses 3 and 4. And as he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now doesn't this sound undignified? It was. I mean, think about this guy. He's super short, and so he can't see anything because of the crowd. And so he just completely, he becomes like a child, basically, and climbs up this tree. Now, now think about, think about this. Think about in, in, our, in our own day. Think about if sort of a prominent citizen, you know, maybe a politician or something is, 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 is short and he can't see. And so he climbs up into a tree in his business suit. You know, it's not exactly the image that he would want splashed on the cover of the newspaper you know, the next day undignified. And, and Zacchaeus, he's probably a, 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 a guy who just sort of, he, he, he's a cocky little guy who just struts around Jericho. But on this day, he, he just completely puts aside all of his personal dignity in order to climb this tree so that he can see Jesus. I mean, what's, what's going on here? What, what drove him? To, take, to go to that sort of a length to be able to get a look at, 
at Jesus. Zacchaeus has everything materially that anybody could ever ask for. Why is he going to such extraordinary lengths to see a spiritual teacher like Jesus? Well, apparently, all of the material things that he had in his life had still left him wanting. There was something missing in his life. Madeline Levine is a psychologist who works mainly with teenagers. And she works in a very affluent area. And she said that over the last few years, she's noticed sort of a, of a new breed of teenager uh, coming into, in her, into her office. And it's kids from, that have everything on earth that, any kid, that anybody could possibly want. I mean, they're, you know, from a material standpoint, I mean, they seem to have it all. Uh, most of them are really, they're smart, bright, privileged, and yet so utterly lost that many of them are mutilating their own bodies, cutting themselves, in some cases burning themselves or just piercing themselves over and over and over again. And she said this became personified for her one Friday afternoon. It was late on Friday, her last appointment before the weekend. And the girl who came in was 15 years old. And Madeline says she was, like most of the others, bright. Um, on the outside would seem to come from a situation where she had everything in the way of privilege. Her parents were adoring of her and yet pressuring to her at the same time and very preoccupied with all the stuff going on in their own lives. And this, this girl was angry. And Madeline, with her experience, instantly recognized that she was a cutter because she had sort of a classic cutter's disguise. She had a, on a long-sleeved T-shirt, and the T-shirt was pulled down about halfway over her hand. Um, and so Madeline kind of knew what was up. And, and uh, as, as they established a sense of trust, this girl raised up her sleeve, and she had carved a word into her forearm with a razor blade. And it was the word empty. Empty. How ironic is it that Zacchaeus has everything and yet has nothing. I think that's what drove him up that tree. There's something that is missing in his life. And so he does something that is just completely childlike. You know, Jesus says that if we want to know him or know him in his fullness, that we have to become like children. That we have to humble ourselves and acknowledge our own spiritual impoverishment before God. And sometimes the things that bring us low in life, whether it's a health crisis or a time of bereavement or maybe a financial crisis or 
a broken marriage, or maybe just a gnawing sense of emptiness in our lives. Sometimes we have to, we, we're brought low by life. And if you're there today, I want to encourage you with something. When, when things like that happen that bring us low, a lot of times what's happening is that God is getting us into the position where we can really see him like never before. Bruce Steilman um, tells about being in Copenhagen, Denmark, and he was visiting a famous church, the, the Church of Our Lady. And, and um, in this church, there are some famous statues. And one, one statue in particular of Jesus is a statue where Jesus has his, his arms stretched out. And Bruce said, it, it looked to me like the eyes of Christ were closed. It look, and he thought, well, maybe he's, he's praying. Uh, and the, the statue is of, of him praying. Um, and so he was looking at the statue, and the man who was standing beside him said, you have to get down in order to see it. And so Bruce got down on his knees, and he looked up, and then he could see the eyes of Jesus filled with just more grace and mercy and compassion. It was so much that he could, could hardly bear it. Sometimes... We have to get down on our knees. Sometimes life has to bring us to our knees in order for us to really see who Jesus is. Get down on your knees. Climb a tree. I mean, do whatever you have to do to see Jesus. Because when you see him, life changes. It changes. Climb up a tree. Um, Second, get over the crowd. Get over the crowd. Zacchaeus climbs up the sycamore tree so that he can see over the crowd. But Zacchaeus has to get over this crowd in another way too, doesn't he? Because how does this crowd, including the religious people in the crowd, how do they feel about Zacchaeus? Verse 7 says that when Jesus goes home with him, It says when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, in this series, we've looked at other texts where the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, are grumbling about Jesus eating meals with sinful people. But in this case, it's not just the religious crowd that is grumbling. This is everybody. I mean, that's how unpopular a figure Zacchaeus was in Jericho. They're all grumbling. I want to ask you something. How do people who are extremely unpopular feel when they're around you? Do they feel like you and I, do we, do we treat them the same as everyone else treats them? Is there a discernible difference? Do they feel anything different coming from us because we love Christ? If you're in school, I mean, think about the most, the most unpopular kids in your school. They, they're socially awkward. They, they dress, maybe they dress bad. Maybe they smell bad. Um, maybe they do things to bring unpopularity on themselves. Maybe they, maybe they act bad. You know, if you're not in school, okay, we all come across people that for one reason or another, either through... Um, some 
sort of situation or just a, a social awkwardness. Or maybe they do it like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus brings unpopularity on himself. He's brought this on himself. But the issue is, do people like that feel loved when they're around you and me? Should not the presence of Christ in our lives make a difference in how they would feel? Chris Say is a pastor in Texas, and he grew up in Houston, and actually his dad was a pastor too. And their family used to go to Houston Astros baseball games. And they would sit in the cheap seats. And a lot of the people that were sitting around them were sitting in the cheap seats so that they would have more money to spend on beer. And so a lot of the people that were sitting around their family, they would, they, they would get drunk and they would get in fights and they would spill beer on people and, and uh, distract people from the game. And one of the characters of that section was a guy that everybody referred to as Batty Bob. And this was back in the days when the Houston Astros wore, they wore these, back in the 80s, they wore these hideous rainbow-colored uniforms. If you watch baseball, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, and, and Batty Bob was sort of a self-styled Astros mascot. <laughs> and so he would wear a rainbow-colored wig. And after he would get a few beers in him, uh, he would stand up and he would sort of lead the crowd in sort of sl- a slurred, a slurred uh, cheer. Um, and one night at the game, Chris's pastor dad <laughs> got up out of his seat and went over and sat with Batty Bob. <laughs> and Chris is thinking, really? Batty Bob? He's one of the bad people. What are you doing with him? But his dad went over and was talking to him, and in fact, he kept talking to him throughout the game. And then to Chris's shock, Batty Bob was walking out of the Astrodome with their family and getting in the family car and going home with them. And after his dad got Batty Bob settled into bed, he came in and talked to his kids, and he explained to them, that God loved Batty Bob and that he was going to stay with their family for a few days until he got back on his feet. And Chris said, it was, that was the moment when I began to understand that God did not despise these sorts of people like I had. In fact, I began to realize that he dearly loved them. Now, Zacchaeus doesn't feel much love coming from anybody in Jericho, except for Jesus. You know, what if, what if people, the Zacchaeuses of the world, what if, what if the unpopular people who are around us, even if they're unpopular through some fault of their own, what if, instead of, instead of having to look over us, To see the love of Jesus, what if they could look at us and see and experience the love of Christ for them? And listen, if you you seek to be with Christ in 
and loving the Zacchaeuses of the world, you're going to have to get over the crowd too. <laughs> because a lot of other Christians aren't going to be doing the types of things that you're doing. And they may not understand what you're doing. But you need to do it anyway. Because it's the heart of the Savior. Get over the crowd. Third, take Jesus home with you. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. In fact, long before Zacchaeus ever climbed that tree, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew his name. Jesus cared about him. Jesus loved him. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the parable of the lost sheep. And we went to John 10 and talked about the fact that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one who searches for the lost sheep. He's the one who calls the sheep by name. That's what's happening here. Zacchaeus is a lost sheep. And Jesus looks at him and, and he calls him by name. Now Zacchaeus does have to respond to that. And he does. It says in verse 6 that he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And this is what sparks the grumbling of everyone else when they saw it. They all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And in, in the Greek, it's really clear when it says that he's, he's gone in to be the guest of someone who's a sinner. It's really clear. Jesus stayed the night, maybe more than one night, at the home of Zacchaeus, of all people. And it's also clear that when Zacchaeus receives him into his home, that there's this... There's this evening meal, which was really the heart of, of Jewish family life in the first century. That, that, that was the, the place of intimacy. That was where your, your family was together. And, and, um, and, and it all, the, the heart of family life was that, that evening meal. And so here is Jesus at this intimate meal with Zacchaeus and staying at the home of Zacchaeus. I mean, he's, he, in other words, Jesus has been taken really into the heart of his life, his existence. Our lives really change when we take Jesus home and when he's a part not just of our Sunday life, but every nook and cranny of our lives. Every aspect of our lives, when we take him into all of it, the very intimate fabric of every part of our lives, that's when life begins to change. Take Jesus home with you. The fourth thing that we see here is the transforming effect of grace. So Jesus goes home with Zacchaeus. They're having this evening meal, and, and Zacchaeus feels something that he's never felt before. Zacchaeus feels loved, strangely loved, overwhelmingly loved. And as we've talked about before in this series, in a, in a meal like this where a, a public figure like Jesus was in attendance, 
there'd be lots of people around. There'd be people milling around and people standing around the sides. Very, it would have been very public. And in this public context, as, as Zacchaeus is feel, feeling just this, this overwhelming love and acceptance coming from Jesus, he stands up. And he has a public statement that he's going to make before everybody. And we see it in verse 8. He stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, even for a rich guy, you know, this is pretty radical stuff. What's happened here? I'll tell you what's happened. Grace has happened. Grace has happened. Zacchaeus is blown away by the, the, the love the, and the grace of Jesus. And he's, he's responding to that. And please get the order straight. His repentance is a response to grace. It is not an effort to get grace. Zacchaeus is responding to the grace that he has received from Jesus. You know, sometimes we hear, you know, we, we don't want to preach too much grace. People will go wild. Well, yeah, they go wild. They go wild with joy. And they do things like this. You know, a story about something that happened in our country when slavery was still legal and um, there was a young girl that was up on the auction block, the slave auction. And a man was passing by and he saw this young girl being auctioned off as a slave and he felt such compassion for her that he said, I'm going to purchase her simply to set her free. And so he purchased her and uh, told her she was free, but then he, he noticed that she was following him. And he turned around and he said, look, you know, you're, you're, you're free, free to go. She said, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want to do? Yes. I'm free to be whoever I want to be? Yes. I'm free to go wherever I want to go, such as you can go wherever you want to go. She said, I want to go with you. See, grace doesn't lead us away from Jesus. Grace makes us want to follow Jesus. The transforming effect of grace. Fifth, the mission. The mission. Verses 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is so clear about his mission. And this is like a mission statement here in verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. But how is Jesus ultimately going to do that? How is Jesus ultimately going to save Zacchaeus and you and me? Verse 1 tells us that he was he was passing through the city of Jericho. Where's Jesus headed at this point? Where's he headed? He's headed to Jerusalem. 
Um, in fact, in 951 of Luke, it says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Ever since this point, this is where Jesus has been headed. Jesus has been headed to Jerusalem where he has an appointment with the cross. That's what it means when it says uh, the time drew near for him to be taken up. Taken up where? Taken up on a cross. The appointment with the cross is looming before him. If you've, if you've ever visited Israel or if you visit Israel, you, you know that the last city that you pass through before you go up the road to Jerusalem is the city of Jericho. Jesus is almost there. He's almost there. There for you. There for me. There for Zacchaeus. And the same voices, some of the same types of voices that are saying here in Jericho, look, he's gone. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They're going to be saying in Jerusalem, look, he's gone out, outside the city to die with the sinners. Yes. Dying with the sinners. Dying for the sinners. Sinners like Zacchaeus. Sinners like you. Sinners like me. Purchasing our freedom. Let's go with him. Let's follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the love, the mercy of Jesus that searched for us, that cared, that called us by name, that died for us, that rose again for us. Lord, give us your heart. Help us to begin to see people the way that you see people. And to love those, not, not just those that love us back, but to love those who are on the margins, love those who are unpopular, love those that no one else is loving. We thank you that you loved us when we were still sinners, when we were so unlovable. We pray that you would give us that heart for others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about knowing him, if you want to know more about what it means to, to know Jesus, uh, to walk with him, uh, we would just love to talk with you. If you're here today and you would uh, just like to know more about what uh, being a part of our church family is all about. We would love to be able to talk with you. If you're here and you just need somebody to pray for, uh, we would absolutely uh, love to do that today. I'm going to be here at the front, and uh, some of our other pastors are going to be here. Um, we would love to minister to you in any way we possibly can. Let's, let's stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need now.
now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1 12. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father. You are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. Find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.